Writers Showcase. I am your host, Nolan Nash. Thanks for joining us here with Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We have got some great guests for you. First, a little bit about me as you're joining here. Um, I am Nolan Nash. I'm the author of the Crescent City series, which includes both Crescent City Moon and Crescent City Sin, paranormal mystery romance set in 1830s New Orleans. And coming out in March is Traveler, modern time travel, lots of twisty things going on there. So fun release coming out for you guys in March. But we're going to talk all things podcast today with our fantastic guest. So thank you so much for joining us for our media special. We'll be taking some comments as we go along. So so if you're watching us on Facebook or live on YouTube, go ahead and get those comments and we'll be keeping an eye on them. And if we can get to your questions, then we will absolutely try our very best. So uh, join us there in the comment section as well. So guys, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Tell the listeners, the viewers, anything you want them to know about you. It can be about what you do with the podcast world, your favorite Way to take coffee. I don't know. Come on, whatever you really wish someone knew about you. And I always like to kind of go around Brady Bunch dolls. We're going to talk, start over here with Jim. We're going to work our way around the circle. So, Jim, I'm going to turn the camera over to you, let you introduce yourself to the folks. All right. Hey, everybody. I call myself creator, educator, and gentleman. Jim Jackson. And uh, I I write books, I make music, and I host a podcast called Radio Creative, where we talk about creativity, how you can tap into it when you want to, whether that's to create art, whether that's just to be better at work, or whether that's just to do some life hacks and that. And I'm really happy to be here. Thank you, Nova. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Excited to have you. Brooke, we're going to keep going around our Ready Bunch circle over here. I'm going to turn it over to you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason from Doors Podcast, and I usually invite people that inspire other people, especially children and young adults. So that's basically what I do with my podcast. Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to come down here. I'm just going to keep going around the circle here down to Anna. Hey, everybody. I'm Anna J. Walner. I am uh, the author of Garcane and the Illuru Legacy series, which just uh, the first book just came out on June 22nd. I am also uh, the host of the Author Library on YouTube, where we talk to other authors about their creative process. And the books that they have uh, already released or books that they have coming soon. Fantastic. We're going to talk some more about your book here coming up in a little bit as well. So, Christina, we're coming around our circle. You are next on deck. Hi, I'm Christina Castaneda. I am, I'm actually not an author, but I'm an audio drama writer. I am the host of the Savvy Creative Podcast, and it combines both audio drama and plus we love to talk to female authors, indie writers. And uh, we talk about the uh, writing process, the craft, and the business side, um, and also what influences our stories, the women's issues behind uh, why we write. And and yeah, and also do a lot of crazy things on the side, like a bucket list venture and everything. Oh, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Okay, we're coming around to Matt and his fabulous Bronx accent. Matt, tell the folks about yourself. Thank you so much, Nola. Matt Harms. I am uh, an author as well, mostly of, I, I'm kind of schizophrenic because I'm a Gemini, so psychological thrillers or business development books. I am also a ghostwriter and the founder of Pen for Hire, where we work with successful business leaders, thought leaders who want to take their intellectual capital and turn it into a book, and the host of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts. And uh, other interesting people. I know I've had at least one member of this panel on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, always a pleasure to be together with all of you. Fantastic. Fantastic. We've got uh, Mickey's here watching. So Mickey mm -hmm. over there at Creative Edge is a just fabulous person. And so 
These are his favorite people. I am in good company tonight. If I didn't know that already, I certainly do now. So Mickey, thank you so much for, for joining and for watching as well. So you guys do some pretty interesting things. And one of my first questions for kind of just, we're going to just dinner table discussion this thing. Okay. I mean, there's no raising hands. We're not going to go in a circle. Jump in whenever you've got something to say that you want to kind of contribute to. So I always like to say, I, I kind of like to do this. Like I'm sitting around having drinks with friends. We're just, we're chatting shop here. So have you noticed a difference in podcasting since COVID hit and everybody kind of had to go to a more online platform? And if so, what do you think that that's done for the industry? Tough question starting you off. Teacher in the room went hard on you the first question. Sorry about that. <laughs> right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very un-Canadian about this and jump in first and not let anyone else go first. There you go. Uh, I, I'm very new to podcasting. I've been a guest for for several years but my own podcast only launched in in April so and and it, it would it and it was in in response to everything being online and I didn't need to have people into the studio or or have you know decent gear that I could take to them so uh, yeah part of the reason I got into podcasting was because there was this tech available that you could get high quality audio through virtual means like this Anybody else have a similar experience? I know that that's sort of how I got into it was in response to COVID too. My my numbers actually did really really well in COVID, and we were doing an in studio podcast uh, uh, in LA because it's very easy to rent uh, studio space out here. And when I started doing it remotely, yeah, there were some technical issues, but the level of talent that was out there, the level the the people that were all of a sudden available was amazing so it was easy to book up my calendar it was just uh, easy to fill the spots and it was a great time to experiment too we've experimented with narrative fiction on our podcast we've experimented with solo cats and uh it was great to see different things just blow up the things that you didn't expect how did the narrative fiction go i know that's something i've, I've seen a few podcasts kind of branching out into that direction where it's more scripted as opposed to sitting around the mic and chatting how do you feel that that's being received Oh, I love it. It's fun. It's um, you've got to be careful because you're balancing music and sound effects, um, and you know you're you can over narrate very easily, but you can also have the fun of putting a monologue right straight into your <laughs> into into your script. So there's so it. many creative. It was for me. It was another creative outlet, and to combine two things I love: writing and podcasting. So. I kind of feel it's like a throwback to the old radio shows. Only we're doing it this way, you know, it's, it's what a fun thing to have kind of resurfacing and, and coming back into the audio world. I, I like that, you know, I, we don't have to worry about people thinking Martians are really coming like they did, you know, years ago. I mean, we, we get where we are now and what, what's happening here, you know, mass panic. But what a neat way to kind of come full circle back kind of to the roots of radio and those narrative stories that are, that are coming back into the audio world. I, I really like that. I love it. That's, that's, that people are doing that and it's out there. Um, it's not something I've experienced or experimented with yet, but I was, I was really excited to see people actually pulling that off. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it and I definitely wanted your take on it. What about the rest of you? How has how has the last year, year and a half have impacted what you do? Well, um, I first started um, the author library because uh, I had a difficult time actually getting onto <laughs> podcasts and to uh these um these youtube uh channels to talk about my uh my first series and so uh i found that as an independently published author it was quite difficult to do that for yourself so i had a large group of author friends and i created the channel and i said okay well then i'm just going to do it myself <laughs> and uh you guys everybody come on and then it just kind of grew from there word spread and then um you know now uh it's 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 an amazing thing to get to talk with some awesome authors who i'm actually you know i fangirl over i'll be <laughs> honest i think that's great i love it brooke what do you how's things how have things kind of happened for you well, it has opened like a lot of doors for me. Um, I used to see people on TV, so I messaged them and 
that's my store well talking on your show and talking to you. I'm like, really? So it's opened a lot of doors for me. Excellent. Matt, what about you? So I know I wasn't gonna call on people, but I am now. <laughs> the only one left, so you didn't really need to call on me. I figured it was my number. Uh, <laughs> but with that said, I've always wanted to do a podcast and much like everyone else has expressed. It wasn't until the pandemic, it didn't start until November of last year, when it was like, well, what else is there to do? And I didn't know, like, it is not where I intended to go. I always envisioned myself as Peter Griffin and what really grinds my gears, and kind of just having a venting platform. But I figured, what do I know best? It's writing. Um, what's an underserved community or community that people don't think want to speak? And it was authors, because most people think we just hide in a hole and have nothing to say and can't be personable. And the show has just completely taken on a life of its own and shown that that's really not true. I spent my first two weeks wondering where I was going to get guests. And after the end of the first month, I stopped inviting people. They just keep showing up. I think that that's, that's kind of a common thing. I mean, as an author, that was one of my fears was what's going to happen when we can't do live events? How do we actually get ourselves out there? And it really... It shifted how we all had to think about that. You know, how do we promote ourselves? How do we promote each other? I mean, we had friends on you know, Facebook. We're going, this is it. This is all we have. I mean, what? how do we get out there now? Mm-hmm. And I really love the author community and the support that everybody has for each other. And that's something that I, I don't know that, that the public at large really understands about this particular business is it's not necessarily some genres maybe more than others you know some may be a little more cutthroat and a little more you know drama dynasty Dallas kind of you know drama going on but by and large I've always found the author community to be hugely supportive of each other and wanting to get each other out there and you know there are plenty of readers for everyone to go around and what a great way to share that is through all of these authors having podcasts and you know live things at events that they're doing on Facebook. It really, I think, has, has really changed how we think about what a live event actually is. We can say live in person or we're all here live. And would all of these people and all of these authors and podcasters have necessarily gotten together otherwise? I don't know. I feel like we've we've really grown an industry out of necessity, and I don't have I don't know. Do you guys see anybody kind of backpedaling from that as things are opening up? Do you find that you're getting fewer guests or not? You know, Matt and I actually uh, I think we talked about this, didn't we? Um, mm-hmm. About how this kind of um, culture has grown out of necessity, and I don't see it going away anytime soon because people have realized that we have the capabilities now to do it. It's not so difficult. It's not that that hard to get in front of the camera and to talk uh, about your book. And it's really great for readers to be able to connect on a personal level with the author behind the book and see them as a real person, uh, which they, up until now, really haven't gotten that opportunity to do so there's uh there there's that opportunity now that we have i agree mm-hmm. is that how you guys feel about it too have you had that same experience is the yeah, author feeling I, more personable because of this absolutely and uh I, I also run a little uh uh micro press and when i take pitches one of the first things i asked after i get the pitch is um, like how involved in you are you in the in the local writers community because those are the people who are going to buy your books first, right? And then they're going to be the ones who spread the word of mouth. And now it doesn't even have to be the local writer's community. It right. can just be any writer's community. Like, how many people do you know? Because these are the people who are going to buy your books first. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very valid question to ask right off the bat, especially as so much technology has become available to so many people. We do have access to ways to go live. And it's interesting to me how many authors I've seen have to come to this out of necessity. They were terrified to actually start doing these live interviews over the computers. And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to set this up. Like, it's okay. It's easy. I'll give you the link. Just click it. I handle all the heavy lifting. It's fine. You You can do this. And then the next call or question that I'll get from them is, 
can you show me how to do that? And how will you set all that up on your end? Because I want to do this with so-and-so, or we wanted to do this thing. And I love that. I have absolutely no problem helping people to set up their, their own platform, their own way to go live. Because I feel like that that's just sort of, it's, it's adding ripples to the water where everybody's going to be able to reach more people. And it's just been kind of a phenomenon. And so being able to access those things and to say that you're a part of those communities and then have those communities building each other up, what a huge way to, to kind of foster your own success while you're helping others as well. Well, I think that's, we all get it, you know, as, as, as authors and podcasters, we all get how difficult it can be sometimes. And so there's that level of understanding that once they come on the show and they talk to you for a little bit, then they're like, oh, okay, this person gets it. They make me feel comfortable. And then a lot of, a lot of times the most, uh, most of the things that people say after they come on the show is you made it so easy. And I was so scared to come on. <laughs> I'm just, I'm I'm goofy. I'm just, I'm fun. I'm goofy. Now, speaking of goofy, well, Matt, go ahead with what you were going to say. You were going to say something, so you do that, and I'm going to ask y'all a question. I'm just going to say that I can attest to the goofiness, although, again, watch my recording. But anyway, uh, (laughs) what I was going to say is I, I think one of the most underrated expressions is necessity is the mother of all invention. And we have seen this throughout this pandemic. And even going back, like before there was self-publishing, anyone who wanted to write a book, they thought you were crazy. And then once Kindle, you know, CreateSpace started, Kindle started, and the tools came out that allowed the everyday person who may be a better writer than a mainstream writer Mm -hmm. to give them the tools to showcase and put it out there and let the people be the judge. That's what the pandemic brought to podcasting. That's what it brought to authors who before may not have thought they could get an interview. They could get a show. And whatever the viewership is, whatever the downloads are, it doesn't matter because you're out there, you're having a good time, and you have evergreen content that is yours forever. Yes. Absolutely. And it's very yes. democratic that way, right? You get people just vote by their 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 downloads, by their listens. That's a great point. And, and that's a, a great way to figure out what people are wanting to hear. What are they wanting to talk about with the authors? You know, you have that that ability that you don't necessarily have in any other form of marketing to really see what is reaching people. What do they want more of? What how, you know, how did this impact my downloads, my listeners? What a great way to have that immediate feedback as well. I mean, what did we have before you would go, you know, if you were lucky, get yourself on a local TV show, maybe, you know, a some little article buried three, four pages deep in the entertainment section of your local paper. I mean, things things were not always easy to do to get into the media. And then you waited around and you hoped somebody saw it other than when you called grandma and said, hey, I'm going to be on TV today. So it's actually great for everyone, whether it is the podcasters or the authors who are on to kind of immediately see something you know, in exchange for the time that they spent and at least know that that was, was worthwhile to do. And we're finding so many avenues to do that. Now, Matt, you brought up a good point about the indie and the self-published writers and some of them being equally talented. Let's go back over to Anna for just a second. Now, you mentioned being self-published, and yet you've gotten some great news this week. Share a little bit about I know we talked about it before this show, but this, this warrants being shared. Yeah, no, um, the first week, it was actually the week of June 22nd, so uh, Garcane released, and it was the number one best uh, seller on Amazon Nook for, uh, I think, four out of the first seven days, so that was amazing, and then it made the uh, the top, it made the number one most anticipated release for June on Amazon, you know, ranks always fluctuate and fall on now down you know <laughs> but um, you got that moment you have I, that I took, moment I took and you can always say yes. that i took screenshots y'all absolutely now make it into graphics and put it everywhere <laughs> that's what we do right i mean we live for that moment you hope somebody wakes you up and tells you that you have that orange banner because you need that screenshot to prove that you did it I mean, that, that's what it's all about. Right? She's so right. In this day and age, everything just changes like this. If you don't take that proof, you could believe, like, 
wake up and think you imagined it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now we also talked about being approachable and kind of goofy and, and making this easy on the authors. Um, do any of you have any stories that maybe could kind of help an author who's maybe going, I don't know if I want to go live on the air, you know, just what are we, how do we get people, how do we get people out here? I mean, funny stories, stories where authors were terrified, stories where things went horribly wrong on your end and then it ended up being funny. I mean, I have stories of these. I mean, this, we always say it's Nola Nash is hosting a show. Who knows what's going to happen? It'll, it'll go sideways at some point. Um, I've, more than, more often than not, I believe, my shows tend to go a little sideways. But that's what I think makes makes it easier for guests to come on when they know that I could very well be the one to send it sideways and not them. You know, I'm derailing. <laughs> Leave that to me. I got this. <laughs> and then they can go off and just feel a whole lot more comfortable knowing that they're not going to be the one that looks like an idiot. It would be me. <laughs> so have you guys had any just kind of memorable moments, those stories as a podcaster that just about it? <laughs> um, uh, if Mickey's still on. Uh, I am so sorry about calling you Mikey in the middle of our first interview. <laughs> I, I still, um, yeah, I still have um, embarrassment over that, and it and, and it was in the flow, so I couldn't I couldn't edit that part out. But I have um, I have uh, introduced people as because if they if they don't change their name down on Zoom. Like a lot of times parents will be using their, their kid's computer <laughs> you know, because they're homeschooling. Right. Yeah. And, and I'll say, hi, ja I have Jasmine with, uh, Oh wait, you're not Jasmine. And then I have to start <laughs> over again. She's like, no, that, that's my kid. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Anybody else have anything that just kind of went a little off the rails? Well, it's just you and me, Anna. We're the only ones. Well, we did a live, did a live event. Um, uh, so we did it in front of an audience, um, actual like audience, and it was in a dive bar in LA. Nice. And right as we're doing it, um, these two comedy podcasts went first. So we we're like, oh my God, the audience, they're ready to laugh. We have to change our segment and we have to do something really funny. So thank God, my guest, I knew she was right for this event because she was just so energetic. And right as we're doing it, the crowd is laughing. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're like, okay, we got, we got the crowd under control. A fight breaks out in the bar. Like you could start hearing them. And we're like, hey, those guys over there. And we're just trying to ad lib as we can. And we're like, oh my God, hopefully we get out of here. Okay. But that was like one of the best, uh, <laughs> moments. I'm like, you know what? I'm not scared of anything now. Props no. yeah. We navigated a bar, a bar yeah. fight. <laughs> That's yeah. I was like, I was just like, oh God, please don't, let's, I hope there's no glass flying or anything right at us. But it was, it was the best. And then I've also had a, I also had one guest who, um, she she was bilingual and she was like, I don't know if I can come on. I don't speak English very well. And I don't know if you guys have this uh, this issue with guests that they just don't want to come on because of the language barrier. So I said, it's okay. I said, if you just start speaking Spanish, we do it in Spanish. That's fine. We'll just do it. We'll run it. And um, it was a little bit here and there, but she was so proud of herself afterwards that she was able to do it in both languages. So being able to give that to her and give her that opportunity just to feel good and you know reach a new market that was probably one of the most rewarding things so i yeah. love it when that happens when you have somebody who's terrified and then all of a sudden it's like wow that i did that like, yes you did do that that's awesome and now you can go do it other places like the, the world opens up i mean what <laughs> what a moment to have when you're the person kind of throws those gates open and like, just run with this and yeah, listeners learn Spanish words. It was great because yes. if it was, I would yeah, I would just repeat it and be like she means this, and then that was it. We worked it out. So, and that's fantastic. Well, yeah. you get to give somebody a voice, don't you? Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't. I, I actually, I, I've only done ten episodes, so I don't have a lot of bad stories yet. But I'm looking forward to them. But uh, <laughs> when I was uh, <laughs> after my uh, my first year of college, I did an internship at the um, not that reputable uh, uh local paper 
the one that was a little tabloidy. And, uh, you know, so they sent me on the, on all the little, little missions and, and it was the, the, uh, the, the, the May long weekend. And they were asking, just interview some garden centers, just get some good quotes and that. And so how do I get a good quote? And so, so I called him up and said, Hey, how's it going down there? Is it busy? Is, is the joint jumping? And he said, yeah, the joint is jumping. Like, oh, perfect. That's, I can use that as a real quote, even though I said it. Right? <laughs> Did you start calling other garden centers and feeding them quotes? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's Instagrammable. <laughs> I love that. That is an excellent strategy. I'm going to start doing that with guests. You know, hope that they say that back to me. What I was going to jump in and say is that most tragedies can be averted if you plan well enough, right? So, Anna, can I tell? I usually make sure before we even get on camera, I can pronounce your name so I know I'm speaking to the right person. (laughs) I tell you that I'm taking notes. So if you think I'm not paying attention, I'm taking notes. And even before that, in the email process, if you're very insistent on I need to know what questions you're going to ask. Or here's my immediate game. The questions you're going to ask me, you don't show up on my show. Because I don't need the stress of remembering what I need to ask you. I threw out a script after episode five. Because then it's too much pressure on me. Yeah. I just want to have a comfortable conversation. And I think that allows the author to really be them and arrive at what's meant to come out and not at my preconceived or predetermined agenda. You know I like that here. strategy. That's my strategy. I mean, we talked about that before the show. I was like, we're just going to chat here. <laughs> like, this is what we're going to do. And I agree with you in that it lets the author be themselves. And one of the reasons I think that we all do this is because we're not necessarily promoting a single book that an author has coming out. I mean, we may time it around a launch. That that's a great time for them to be in the public eye. Maybe that will boost some sales, but isn't it more about the author themselves? And we want readers to connect with them so that whatever they have coming out, folks are looking forward to it because they feel like they know that author and they they like them and they want that. I mean, whatever book you're writing, I'm going to go get that because they were on that podcast. They were on that live event and they were so much fun to watch that I know I'm going to enjoy that book. I don't care what the plot is about. I'm buying it. That, that's what it's all about, right? And you can only do that if you're really relaxed. And how many times do authors get asked? This is another reason why I do this. And I'm sure you guys do too. How many times do the authors get asked the same questions? And it becomes this hand response. And readers are going to follow the authors to different things, different articles, different whatever. And they're going to be seeing the same answers to the same questions. That that author is not interesting to them anymore. And it might be one of the most interesting people they would ever meet. But answering the same 10 questions time and time again, they're not interesting anymore. So I I think it does a disservice to the authors. a, you know, a lot of ways to do it that formatted, you know, harshly formatted. And for some people, it works, I guess. For Rolling Stone, has been very successful with their question and answer. But that's Rolling Stone. You know, I mean, I think our platforms are a bit more interactive than that. I just, I don't want to jump in, but I want to turn this over to Jim, Christina, and, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to talk name thing because it says She Blurred Podcast. But I, I'll, I'll let Anna jump in after, but we had this conversation, and you hit it on the head, Nola, about brands. Authors aren't books. They're brands, right? Your, your book is great, but it comes and goes. Blockbuster did their thing great, just like Rolling Stone does their thing great. Blockbuster's not here anymore. Why? Because they didn't adapt. So I would love to hear the other com, um, panelist opinion on author brand versus book, um, and then let Anna kind of recap what she spoke about with me, because I think she really nailed branding on the head. Thank you. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. I was just about to jump in with almost exactly that. <laughs> what a, what a great segue! Look at that. Fantastic. <laughs> That's like awesome. <laughs> My number one episode, and like by almost double the the next lowest, the, the next highest one was uh, was with a brand consultant. Like I, when I talk about creativity, I, I I tend to talk more than just traditional creative types. We have those on, but I also, I've had uh, uh, this brand consultant, musicians, uh, writers, poets, a business consultant. I've got a, a clothing designer lined up for, for next season. But, uh, and, and she talks about exactly the same thing, like hit that brand, build that brand. 
And then on the other side, I do have a set. Uh, I do have a set five questions that I send to people in advance to get them thinking. Now we don't always stick with it, but uh, but for those who aren't particularly comfortable, just kind of ad libbing, I think it, it provides a nice safety net, right? I give them to about a week in advance, and uh, and they can think about it and that. And 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 if I can if I can tell that they're they're kind of struggling, then we'll just go back to those questions they already thought about. Or if they say something really interesting, I'll go, "Ooh, can you go deeper into that? That would be great." Yeah, I, I like the safety net idea. That that's a great compromise, especially for authors who are a little leery of the process or some who have never done anything live before and they just are afraid that they're going to blank out you know i've had someone tell me if i go on there don't ask me the title of my book just tell me because i may not i'm gonna get nervous i'm gonna forget everything <laughs> my name will be up there but please say the name of my book so i mean you do have people who, who would benefit from the safety net so it's an excellent compromise what do you think Brooke and christina Okay. Uh, well, I actually do have a pre-interview form I send out because I want to make sure I have all proper links and social channels because there's nothing worse than promoting the wrong link. <laughs> um, and then, and then I ask questions, but those aren't the questions I use. It usually steers me in the form of research of where I need to go and the unique angle I want for the episode. And I've been doing that for the three years that we've been doing this. So, and then after that, when I always want to make sure, like, don't come on your podcast to pick me your book or my audience. You need, you want the audience to be like the third chair in the room. And I tell them right before, if they don't know like what I do or like if they're, you know, they're connected to me through a third party, I tell them, I go, Oh, you know, who's listening to our show? We have audience reach in uh, the US, Latin America and the UAE, UK. And think about, I tell them, think about the young writer you were. That's who's listening. Someone just getting started. You know, think of the little girl who always wrote stories in her notebook. And I try to kind of give them those prompts to let them know what my ideal listener is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm looking for. If you can't talk to that young woman who is struggling right now writing stories, maybe she's a mom stuck in her career. If if you can't talk to her, if you don't have something to say for her, then you probably shouldn't be on my show. Right. right. What what have you got to what have you got to say? Uh what what's gonna land with her? So I'm really picky about pitching that out. And then when it comes to brand building, I absolutely I run a business on the side too, so we're always marketing, always brand building, things like that. And I, I do love it when I see a consistency in their social and in their website and when I can see what they're about. So when I land on it, I know, okay, they're going to talk to my audience well. I can make that connection well with them where we can bridge the gap where this is how I know um, sometimes when I'm pitching them to come on the show, this is how I know I can, this is the angle I need to go for. So having, when someone has that consistency, I know that they're putting in the work because I'm putting in a lot of work too. Yeah. Land with our, our audiences have to land together. So I definitely spot it now. Like there are some authors that just have amazing branding when you land on their websites. You're like, wow, I know exactly. This is a romantic, sexy, gothic horror. And we're going to talk about creepy, sexy stuff. Right, you know, <laughs> we're, we're gonna, you know, it's gonna be fun. So that's that branding helps me know the direction. Of the show. And it's where right. yeah. A lot of my guests, they, it's on their first interview, so I usually make it easier for them by making jokes like the show is live. So as you can tell, like when they are videos, we're laughing before we go live because yeah. I'm funny. <laughs> Or my accent, I have a really country thick accent, so they're like, oh, you like your accent, it's really country. So then <laughs> you go live and they're laughing. So that's usually what I do. And I think relaxing them is a huge thing. And, mm-hmm. and author branding and kind of getting that author to know who they are is is huge. And I don't know how many people realize that. I've, I've had a conversation with several different people actually lately about kind of author branding and how much authors actually do with their own marketing. And, you know, we're, you know, so many people were lucky to have great publicists on our side that are going to help us do some of that. But ultimately it comes down to the author knowing who they are as a brand. And sometimes it takes a little while to figure that out. And, you know, how do you then create that? Um, I mean, Anna, you guys were having that conversation too. So what were you guys talking about then? Share a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, uh, whenever I first went into it, um, I, I, I have a business degree 
And I've worked in uh, sales and marketing for a global oil and gas company as vice president of sales. And um, so it's like um, sales and analytics. And I went into it thinking very creatively and emotionally. And then I had to take a step back and say, Anna, you're doing this all wrong because you're not treating yourself like a small business and your book like a product. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of authors go into this thinking uh, more creatively and passionately and not being able to distance themselves and disengage from that creative side of things. And as uh, Christina mentioned, the uh, cohesiveness of design whenever you are planning your marketing strategy is key. All of these things need to be thought of well in advance. And that's not something that a lot of authors, independent authors especially, uh, have the forethought to do. So for, even for me, you know, um, so I, uh, I had to, to kind of slap myself around and take a step back and say, you got to start over. And that's what I did with the Allure Legacy series. And it's made a gigantic difference. I did the same thing over Christmas holidays. You know, I was kind of like, well, let's, let's revamp some stuff. Let's, yeah. you know, this is a great time beginning of the year. Let's relaunch, you know, website stuff, you know, redo, get some logos going, um, make sure everything kind of matches a little bit. Let's get the same kind of look and feel. And it is very much like designing a small business. And if you think about that and you think about how how businesses interact with their consumers, that's really the mindset authors have to take here. No longer are we, and I think we mentioned this, you know, the recluse author does not really exist anymore. We are social media beings. And whether we like it or not, if we're going to be successful, we're going to have to find our feet in this world of digital media. And it so much has to do with the content that you're putting out there and the balance between getting to know the author and seeing information on the product that they're putting out there. And if you start looking at how other companies that you that you respect are are doing that, then you can start to kind of channel that into your own brand that you're putting out there. And I would assume that the same thing that we're doing as authors with branding, we're also doing, we kind of pull that idea from, from YouTubers. I mean, they're going to go into a channel. They're creating a channel and this is what goes on this channel. And the successful ones have kind of that template. You know what to expect. It might be a couple of different things that they're doing. They might do, you know, product reviews. They might do, you know, one other thing. But they're not, it's, it's not a shotgun blast to be successful because you don't know what to expect from that channel. And it's the same thing in, with podcasts and with authors and social media branding, anything that you're doing. If you have something that's a bit more laser focused, then you can be a bit more successful because you don't feel like it's just such a shot in the dark. You're aiming at an audience. You're aiming at people who are actually wanting to hear what you have to say. I always say that Twitter is shouting into the void. <laughs> but you know, when you come into this, like Christina, you were talking about making sure that the authors fit your podcast audience. You want them to be the right author for your audience. And so there's so many opportunities out there. It does come down to what's going to fit your listenership as much as anything else. I mean, you might like an author, but you know, if you're if you're mainly hosting a show that has to do with romance authors and you've got somebody over here who's written a great historical fiction, but it's not a romance, but you really like them. I mean, are they the right guest for your show or is that where you steer them to somebody else that you know that's like, hey, this is the podcast for you. I mean, there's a lot out there. I mean, how how do how are authors finding you now? I guess because you guys said you know you're really no longer having to go hunt down guests. How are they finding you through what channels? Are they kind of contacting you and saying, "Hey, can I be on your show?" All in the DMs. They get down yeah. in the DMs. That's what it is. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> or in, or in comments. That's interesting. In the comments as well. Yeah. Whenever you post something, you know TikTok. Uh, we have to talk about TikTok and book talk specifically because it has just exploded in a way that no one ever saw coming. I mean, Barnes and Noble has its own section in the store for book talk recommendations, and there are 
billions of book talkers all over the world. And uh, there are a lot of authors that are on TikTok as well and author talk. And I will get uh, people reaching out to me because I do uh, little montages about the author live at my podcast. And um, people will re reach out to me and ask me like in the comments on that video and say, hey, can I be, can anyone be a guest on the show? You know, and then we, we have that conversation in the DMs. What about the, I mean, Matt, you said that you're no longer having to go hunt people down. They come to you. Is that a similar experience? It is. I mean, I, Mickey is phenomenal. So almost all of Mickey's authors have been on my show, if not multiple times, rotating between me and my co-host. I have a uh, partnership with another small independent publishing company that sends me their authors. Uh, and then word of mouth, guests that have been on my show that have had a phenomenal experience have sent out emails to me and their friends, five, six, seven referrals after a show, like this is the best experience ever. You need to get on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, and these were people who didn't even, as you guys were mentioning earlier, so afraid to come on camera, didn't want to do it. And after it was done, they were like, oh my God, it wasn't that bad at all. Like do it. And okay. I have to filter it where now I get messages of, hey, you haven't scheduled my guest yet. I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> that, that's not a bad problem to have, though, is it? <laughs> you don't feel like you're having to go beg people to come be on the show. I started in November. I never expected having 178 episodes by now. Yeah. I had to put on a, a co-host. And even now, I need another co-host. Excellent problems. Excellent <laughs> problems. That these are problems we'll take, right? <laughs> I mean, so Jim, you're fairly new to this game. You said you have not been doing this as as long. So how are how are things going in your world with finding the guests? Are they coming to you? Are you still actively seeking them? For those who are kind of looking at getting into this, I guess, and this is you know, as much as we're talking to readers and authors here, we're also talking to, you know people who are maybe considering getting into a podcast and you know, we've got the established ones. We've got one that's a bit newer. So Jim, what's, what's your experience as somebody kind of coming in newer to it? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said that uh, over the Christmas uh, break, you kind of reinvented your brand. That's exactly what I did that, that dead week between Christmas and new years. I thought, okay, I'm going to do some rebranding mm -hmm. here. Right. And one of that was, uh, you know, I've always wanted to do this particular podcast about creativity and how we can we can unlock that so you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it so i brought everything kind of under one umbrella the the different creative things that i do and then i'm gonna add that to podcasting and that and uh yeah i, I so i set a very modest goal of if i'm gonna i'm gonna do 10 episodes uh one every week and then if if i get to these many downloads these many listens then I will consider doing doing another season, and I I I shot through that. I think I got triple that. And I'm like, well, okay. So there, there's people actually want to hear about this kind of thing, and I get that from the comments too. So it's fantastic. And I'm also going to do a plug because if you are an author out there and want to uh, uh, really work on your personal brand, I interviewed a great person who has a small business that does specific branding for authors. And I'll put in a chat. We have a chat. We have a chat, don't we? We have a chat. Yeah. All right. I will, I will put that link into, into the chat. And like I say, that was my highest listened to episode. Everybody loved that one about, about how to, how to, brand yourself as a creative person and i don't think that people are against doing it i think you know some they just don't know where to start like what do i need Absolutely. to do first it's overwhelming when you think about it is as an author i gotta write i gotta market i gotta brand i gotta learn technology now because i gotta talk to people on the air and oh yeah i gotta write <laughs> i gotta edit <laughs> i gotta yeah, you know, you've got all of these things. It is so easy to get bogged down and overwhelmed. I can absolutely see that that guest was hugely popular because that is something that authors know they need to do. And, and lots of creatives know that they need to do, but don't necessarily, you know, like Anna, you were lucky enough to have the background in you know, business and understanding yeah. that. But not everybody does. I mean, people come from so many different walks of life as to be an author, to be you know, creative. This is something that oftentimes is kind of a side venture for them. And they don't necessarily have it, what they need to do it. Even me, you know, I had to, to 
come to that realization and, and snap myself out of that, that creative mindset and say, you know, you do this for a living. Of course, I thought that, you know, selling blowout preventers, you know, mm-hmm. was, would segue very easily into selling books and it did not. That's a completely <laughs> different market. And um, so, yeah, the, that, that marketing is a beast all in of itself. So, but, uh, but branding is equally as important. And I think so often before you can market, you need to know who you are. And I think so many of us think I've got to, I've got this book out, it's coming out. I've got to get all this marketing out there, but we don't know who we are enough to sell ourselves, much less the book that we have. And I think we all, maybe that's kind of a learning curve you know it's it's those the stumbling baby steps where we we fall down on that and we, we try to market more than we try to brand and we realize we have to you know, back up do that again <laughs> that's not the right order um but it, it's an intimidating thing to do and if, if you don't have if you're an indie publisher especially an indie published person you don't necessarily have the publishing house going here's step one create an author brand do you have an author brand what are you doing to market yourself? Where is your presence? What are your links? You know, if you don't have somebody asking you those questions, you're not necessarily going to think all that through because you're like, I have this book and it's great. Put it out there. And lots of new authors don't realize that putting it out there is actually going to land on them. On top of that, Nola, Christina had said it before about the guests coming on her show. So after knowing who you are, you need to know who your audience is as a writer. I have had so many clients tell me when I ask, who are we writing this book for? Everybody. And they don't understand that if you write for everybody, you write for nobody. So you need to not only know yourself, but you need to know your market because you can't brand appropriately. You can't message appropriately. Mm -hmm. You really need to target it. And that saying you're focusing on one segment doesn't mean no one else can read it. They may read it. They may love it. But that's a bonus. You need to target your ideal market, and that's a key component of marketing and branding. Yeah, and that's one of the hardest pieces is that um, really narrowing and finding your audience is something you really have to just think deeply about and really nail. And you, it's like a bullseye in a target. You don't always hit that bullseye. Sometimes you get the outer layers. And um, with the branding, why it's so hard for authors is because you don't see results right away. Right. Uh, it's consistent, and it's over and over and over. And to Anna's point, like, Leaving a corporate job. So when you're doing things that are you're spinning plates in your corporate job, managing a project with multiple spinning parts, right? You you're used to having a team. You have a designer. You have a web developer. You have and everybody's doing their part. But when you do it on your own, you're like, okay, this is not going to look as fancy because mm-hmm. I have right. to design. I have to know. You know, I have to write. I have to change hats from writer's copy to sales copy. I was a copywriter for five years. And it was a very, it killed the fun of writing because you're <laughs> thinking about, it, it killed the fun of creative writing. Yeah. And constantly thinking of how to make the sale and, right. uh, and how to like spin the product and position the product and all those things. So that is what's so hard to, I feel, turn on and off. And I think um, for writers, I know some writers on my show have shared that they actually do it on different days so they can like have their creative day and have a, you know, a business day. And I have to do the same thing because I just can't, sometimes I can't switch it. I can't switch it off and I can't write a script with sales, <laughs> you know, and I, also for industry professionals will want you to spin on their social media, um, some copy that doesn't sound like you, especially mm-hmm. as an author. And that's, what's hard too, is you have to say, or as a writer or, or as a business owner, whatever it is you're doing, it's hard to say like, no, stop. That's not how I talk to my listeners and they're going to know it. So we have to speak that because, you know, right, the sponsors will give you copy and you're like, I'm not reading that. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> um, and it's really difficult to push back and have that conversation say like, look, my listeners are going to know it's fake. I need to sound like myself and I need to sound like I'm talking directly to them. So it's that, those are those are some of the things that you, you think about when you're when you're juggling both and, and your brand. Excellent point about being genuine. I mean, that's what podcasting really is, too. I mean, when we think about podcasts, we tend to, I mean, I do anyway, and I think a lot of people do. You think about it's its one person or a couple of people sitting around a microphone just, you know, shooting the breeze. And it's like they have a, a goal, but it's very conversational. 
And they like that because you're getting to know that podcaster. You're getting to know that person. It's a personality. And you're tuning in as much for the personality as you are for the subject matter. Because they could be talking about something really interesting, but if they are completely flat, have no life in them whatsoever, have, you know, some really annoying way of, of talking, whatever, you're going to go find somebody else who's talking about something similar, or you're going to go find that information elsewhere. So ultimately, it does have to be genuinely who you are, because that is what the listeners, the readers are coming for to find out genuinely who you are, not your, not your sales pitch. You know, like you said, don't, don't come here and pitch your book. That's not what we're doing. We'll talk about your book. We'll talk about your writing. We know what you do, but you know, that's elsewhere. We're going to talk about you now and other stuff and what you have to give to your, to your listening audience, your viewing audience, your readers more than, than anything else, but being able to be genuine as a podcaster, I think is, is very important. And it also, I think your genuineness and then all of you sitting here are very just easy and approachable. I think that that makes you more comfortable to be on with, you know, if you're not going to be, you're awkward and you're not genuine and that becomes somebody who's really hard to play off of. The conversation doesn't flow. <laughs> it doesn't, it kind of stagnates. You end up with those weird pauses. It's like, I don't know what to say at all because you didn't you know. And you well, have to be adaptable, too. And that's think on the fly. <laughs> Save your show all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. All the time. Every freaking time. Well, and it's such an intimate form, isn't it? It's like sitting with one person over a cup of coffee, that 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 kind of thing. And so when you hear yourself being false, you you really hear it, especially in the monitors. <laughs> You're literally hearing yourself being false. That's what I miss about the studio is that uh, guests would put the headphones on and it was really weird for them. They were like, whoa, when they hear it the first time. And I'm like, it's okay. Just keep talking. You'll get used to it. But you're so locked in mm-hmm. and they're like, and I can tell they're locked in. So I actually really do miss that a lot. Yeah. Remember, uh, one, as a musician, when I, when I was a teenager, uh, I, I wrote this song and I wasn't really sure about it, but I thought I'll try it up on stage and see how it goes. And it was so false and I could just hear it. And I just, I just wanted to cringe. And it's the same thing when I'm interviewing people, if I'm not asking a genuine question, right? Like I can hear it in my own voice. I think that that's true. I think we can. And I, I've got to say, I think the listeners can too. Yeah. yeah. Especially if they've tuned in more than once. Yeah. Yeah. I tell my students, I no, I was just saying, and and your facial expressions too, you know. No, there's a certain authenticity in your voice you can't fake, which I feel is really important. And what what um what what I think people miss about audio only is that audio can be more visual depending on how good the guest is about when they tell the story or like when they're really like you can tell they're in the zone. It actually is more visual than we think. You don't need like a, a video or like Evo or anything else to do this. Mm-hmm. So and and. One thing I want to say to that, I agree. However, I will not. I've learned my five worst episodes were people who would not turn their camera on. And I will now not use anyone who won't turn their camera on. If they don't want to use the video, that's fine. It won't go on YouTube. Like, we'll just do the other version. But for me, as an interviewer, being able to see somebody's face. Yeah, and understand, uh, Christine, you're absolutely right. That authenticity comes from the voice, but it can also be betrayed by the face. And there are a lot of times where, if you've got an awkward moment or something where maybe you're about to speak, but you see someone's, you let it go, and you get a little bit more of a a groove going. So I, I personally do not like the audio only. No, I mean audio only when you. Publish it, not audio only. When it's like to look at the face too, but but there's been times I was interviewing someone who was in uh, Costa Rica and she had to turn her camera off because of the connection, and it was phone only. And it, yeah, I understood. I was like, eh, eh, eh. and and you know when you're cutting, you're cutting in and out over each other, or that, mm-hmm. or when people go, hmm, video, you can't tell on the phone. You're like, wait, are you still there? Are you still there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but when I interview, and same thing on my form, I'll say, like, we're doing the video. It, 
please tell like a female guest if you tell them if you if they don't know to put makeup on i mean that's like the worst thing i hate it when people do it to me uh, tell them we're using the video it will go on youtube blah, blah, blah. lighting back then, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Make sure there's nothing in your background. You don't want anybody to see. Let the rest of your family know. This is I mean, there I, I have had Zoom fails as an online teacher that were I had a bird fly into my house in the middle of a class. I was doing on Zoom. Um two birds actually. They were house hunting. Apparently they did end up moving into the house the bird little bird house on my balcony but I'm teaching a class and I'm like birds <laughs> flying in my house and now I'm screaming trying to get the birds out the dog goes crazy I mean you have fails <laughs> that have to happen but it's nice to know you know kind of let the family know at least I didn't have to worry about anybody else running and screaming through the house trying to get the birds out but I mean we've all seen those those videos of you know you know, the, the spouse walking through behind the, you know, the first grade classes on Zoom with the teacher. And it's like, ah. <laughs> so you, you got to let folks know when the video is going up. But I, I, I agree with you, Matt. I, I think having, I, I've been interviewed where it was just phone and you do lose something in that. I mean, if that's the way that it needs to work, that's that's what you do. But there is something to be said for the give and take and being able to see the facial expressions, being able to kind of, you know, see when someone is about to say something. And I think maybe for me, I thought it was just me because I'm a teacher and I'm used to looking for my students. I'm looking for them in a classroom to acknowledge the fact that I said something. I mean, sometimes that's just really all I need. <laughs> it's like, just give me the nod. I'm not talking to cardboard cutouts. That's great. Um, but you also, you can see when that kid has got something on the tip of their tongue and want to contribute and you can see the same thing. I mean, that's I've I've done that a couple of times with with you guys. Anytime I do a panel discussion, it's the teacher and me scanning the room. I want to make sure everybody has their turn to contribute. So, and and it is very difficult because we're all we all have stuff to say. We don't, you know, we want to say something but not jump in over each other. So it's it's helpful when you can see them and you know when that that time comes or who's kind of kind of hanging back and listening. That's fine. You always have that one that's. Back in this and then you you want to make sure that everybody's in it, but you lose that on the phone interviews. So I'm glad more people have actually discovered the videos and being able to download the audio file from the video and and to do it that way so that you're not having to choose one or the other. I mean, what a what a great way to be able to do this. It's fantastic. I think it's nice too whenever you do Zoom um, because you get that uh, you know. Uh, the opportunity to talk with your your guest prior to and really mm -hmm. break the ice and say we are not recording yet. I will let you know. You build that trust and that rapport, and then uh, they, you know, and and then you know you're just you you kind of are so goofy that they think that 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 they're just going to be completely fine no matter what they say. <laughs> um, Matt, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a shot at me or you, but either way, you're <laughs> that's a shot at me. <laughs> um, no, we got along great because I think we have that equal level of of, of just you know um, loving insanity. Um, and and so yeah, Zoom it lets you you know and, and Streamyard too get to talk with everybody beforehand and you really ease into that and they start to build a rapport. And then that's whenever you say you, you need to know as a YouTuber or a podcaster, okay, this is my moment. They're comfortable. We're on a roll and we're going in three, two, one. Yeah. You, know. you kind and of I, I, experience. I think that's a huge thing and not necessarily everyone knows that you know, people who want to be interviewed or who are nervous about it, right? Don't realize that that's something that we do. That you know, we are going to make sure that we've chatted with you. You're comfortable before you go on. I think so many of them think it's you know, all of a sudden they're there and it's like I'm talking to a stranger and I'm live and it's terrifying. I, they, I think that's a valid point that more people need to understand, especially you know, if you're an author who's nervous about coming on. Know that it's the host's job to make you feel comfortable before you do. We're not going to invite people onto our shows 
to make them feel uncomfortable. That's not why, that's not what we're doing. Our purpose in doing this is to spread the word about what they're doing. And by making them comfortable, we can do our job, which is to get the word out about them. So it, it is something that I think more people need to understand is the rapport that's built first before you do both sides. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because we do this a lot doesn't mean that we don't need that as well. I mean, you do need to get to know that person, kind of find that personality, see what's going to jive with them. How, you know, how are you going to approach that and make them comfortable? You certainly don't want to find that out, you know, five minutes into a live show. That this is really awkward. <laughs> I was terrified my first time interviewed as a guest on a podcast. Mickey set it up. It was my very first one, right? And he said, no, 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 no. And I, I asked, like, can I have the questions in advance? I want to prepare some stuff. Oh, no, it's all conversational style. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so I go on. I talk to the guy for five minutes. Oh, okay. No, this is good. We're not even starting for it. Yeah, this is great. Fantastic. Yeah, now we have a nice kind of rapport going here. It helps. It absolutely helps. I mean, uh, Brooke, you were talking about people commenting on the country accent. I mean, what a great way to break the ice. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> they hear that, they automatically know, all right, I, I can chill with this. It's fantastic. <laughs> You're a real person. Yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, if we're listening to podcasters, if we're watching YouTubers, they're distant people. You know, I mean, you've watched them, you've listened to them. They are real people somewhere in their world, but you're not part of their world. Yeah, God, that was a. <laughs> I feel like we should all break into song here. <laughs> I told you I was going to derail the show. It's always me that sends it sideways, but <laughs> bust out our Disney here. But you, you are not in that community with them, so you don't know that they're going to do that. You know that that they're going to be an authentic, real conversation holding person. Because they're you're used to watching what they do, especially with YouTubers, where you've watched the edited version. You've you know they've they've taken all of the mistakes out. You don't see that oftentimes it can go sideways, and they have to back that up and start over again. You know it, it's intimidating to think that it has to be right the first time. It doesn't necessarily have to be, or that in a conversational style, it's okay if you trip over your words, if you say something that is, of course, a line out of a Disney song that you didn't mean to say, and you just <laughs> just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I would love that. If you broke into song in the of my podcast, I would totally love that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait, I, I take that back. I did have a comedian who did a like a, a Melania rap because she impersonated Melania. It was hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah, do it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I love those moments that just sort of manifest themselves. And you're like, that was great. That was totally not part of the plan, but it was great. And I, I, I love that about podcasts. I love the the kind of freewheeling that we can do here, that it's not necessarily as scripted as a produced YouTube video. I mean, there's a place for that. There's you know, a clearly audience for that. But I kind of like the feel of a podcast where it is so loose and conversational. And, you know, it, it's, it's not as, as formal. I don't know. I'm not a formal person. <laughs> Maybe that's something I need to work on. I, I don't know if I would, you know, be real, real good at a big formal conference, writing conference. I, like need, I need to teach speaker. people to be less formal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm certainly not that stuffy formal person. I would, I mean, I'd get up there and be a goofball, and all these professional people would be looking at me going. <laughs> I mean, I teach middle schoolers and high schoolers for crying out loud. You can't take yourself too seriously because they darn sure don't. <laughs> I think as writers, we don't anyway. Like we mm-hmm. find we find humor in different things, or we're just weird as writers. So you gotta be if you're yeah. gonna put pen to paper, you're weird in some way. And if you don't think you're weird, <laughs> you're probably the weirdest. <laughs> Something you gotta know. (laughs) What I love most about podcasting is the friendships I've made and like the connections I've made with people. They still message me and check on me. They're like, How is your podcast going? You've been seeing your interviews. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. 
I think that is one of the greatest things. And, and like we were saying about the author community, I love that the podcast community is like that. Um, I, I hope creative communities as a whole really understand the need to lift each other up, that there there's enough audience out there for everyone. And by lifting each other up, that that is truly making it a more special community. And that's one of the reasons why I absolutely adore doing this show, because I've gotten to talk to some amazing people. I did a show before this one as well, where I, I made a lot of friends. I still have. And it is absolutely, absolutely one of the greatest communities to be part of. And I'm, I'm honored to be part of it. Well, you never know who's going to blow up either. And yeah. the interesting thing is like, um, I had an author, I had her on her second book and I was her first podcast. So I was really touched. She's on her fifth book. She just signed on with an agent and every time her books come out and I, I bet you guys do this with your author friends too. Like you share a happy book birthday or happy release day, you share it. And then what I'll often do is that I'll clip something from her episode and repost it. So that episode is constantly working for us. And then I even tell authors, I'm like, let me know when you have something new coming up. And then I can not only reuse my content, but it works for her. We retag. So you can always keep helping out the same guests. It just isn't that one time, which is really helpful. And it's really exciting to be like, yeah, I knew them before they were big. <laughs> on the come up. This is great. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we can do, that we can do for them. I, I love that you even are reusing and reposting the content that you oh, already have. A lot of your content. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's a good thing to know that that's even a possibility. I mean, especially those of us who've, who've done a lot of podcasts would be like, hey, you know, go back and tell those people, I've got a new book release coming out. And that's good content for them to post as well. It may not necessarily have a, an opening around your next launch to do a whole other interview with you. but. Absolutely, there's something that they can push out, and, and it does help both sides. So that's that's a great point, a very good point that maybe authors are not actually considering that reach back out to the people that you were on with before, and then this is a win-win for both sides. So that's that's an excellent point. Thank you for bringing that one up. Well, you guys, I have taken over an hour of your time, and I could sit and talk to you guys all night long because this is so fun and we're getting some great information oh thank you jim for putting all that stuff in the comments jim is on it y'all check the comments jim's posting good stuff for y'all there but you guys have been absolutely amazing to talk to and i'm wishing all of you tremendous success i know you have been finding success and continued success to you thank you for everything that you were doing for authors, um, pre-COVID, post-COVID, continuing on. I don't see us going back, turning back from this world. I think it has opened too many doors to too many opportunities and friendships to let those go just because the world has opened back up. I, I like this. I love the fact that we are sitting here talking to folks from all over North America and we wouldn't necessarily have had that opportunity otherwise. And so what a great, great thing to have. So. I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your insight. And I know that our viewers and our listeners are as well. So you guys are a ton of fun. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Writer's Showcase. Y'all are fantastic. So your links are, all of the links are on this post. So guys, go to those websites, check out all of our podcasters so that you know where to find them. And of course, Check out their podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, as well as Writer's Showcase and Authors on the Air. So thanks so much, guys. You guys have a fantastic night. Bye.